I, I'm often concerned that uh, Christians tend to use the Bible not always quite appropriately to provide proofs and evidence for their arguments. What happens is that a Christian may argue that what they say must be true because the Bible says so. And the Bible is the inspired work of God. And to prove it, you can quote a passage from the Bible. Now that's called circular reasoning. And that's fine for people who believe the Bible to be the inerrant word of God. But for non-believers, it doesn't really get anywhere. And so what I wanted to do was actually to start off with a, a bit of a preamble, uh, takes a minute or two, and try, just try, to get somewhere without re referring initially to the scriptures. And I want to start with uh, part of an analogy. Think of a large, calm pond drop a pebble into the center. Two things happen. One is that you get uh, a little set of ripples which spread out from that pebble, but eventually, fairly soon, they just fade away. And the other thing is that at the same time, absolutely imperceptibly, the water level has risen. So minutely that you won't notice it, but the water level has risen. Now drop a large boulder into the pond. And what happens? Well, actually, exactly the same. A set of ripples, but much bigger. And they spread out much further, but eventually they too fade away. And the water level rises, and the water level rises by perhaps quite a bit more. So, exactly the same two things. And we'll come back to the analogy in a few minutes. I want first just to play uh, a part of a track of a Neil Diamond song. Jesus Christ, Fanny Bryce, Wolfie Mozart, Humphrey Bogart, the gang is coming on to H.G. Wells. Ho Chi Minh, Gunga Dinner, Henry John Wills Booth and Alexander's King and Graham Bell Rama Krishna, Mama Wisla, Patrice Lumumba, Russ Alan Freed and Buster Keaton too Thanks Steve Anyone recognise all those names? Buster Keaton yeah. And the first one? Jesus Christ was the first one And I would assume that everybody knew that and most people will have heard of some of the other names and uh, possibly no one knew them all. Uh, brilliant if you did. 
They're all real people, except for one, and, and Gunga Din even is reckoned to be based on a, a real live person. And all were famous, or in some cases infamous, for a wide variety of reasons. Carol Chessman, uh, there are a number of us who were, um, who were alive when Carol Chessman was uh, significantly in the news, but you probably won't remember him. Uh, he was on death row in the States for a long time. And a number of the others uh, as well have been perhaps a bit infamous. Actually, you can make a list as long as you like, and of as many people as you like. And as a list of, uh, of people who are uh, more or less well-known over the years, do we have a tendency to think of them as different from us. There is just, I think, there is a bit of a tendency for people to, uh, for us perhaps, to um, think of, of famous people in a different group. They've had an impact on the world. They've had an impact on history in some way or another. And we're just people from Five Head and a little corner of Somerset. We're, we're, we're ourselves, but we're nothing hugely significant on a worldwide basis. But you know, that's not true. It's a mistake. Because fame, or infamy, doesn't have a dividing line between them and us. It's a continuum. And whilst the famous might be at one end of the line and me at the other end of the line, we are all on the same line. And wherever we are, every single life has affected and is affected by all the others who we meet and everybody around us. The extent to which this happens is, is greater or smaller, depending on all sorts of circumstances. Just returning now to the analogy from the beginning. How much you affect and touch everybody else is a question of the size of the pebble or the rock that we are. And if you just apply that to the analogy, how great an effect we have had, each one of us has had, on others or on a wider circle, how big a wave we've caused or a person causes, how far the waves travel. You know, you can, you can think of people and apply that sort of analogy. You know, a politician, uh, the president of China, is going to immediately affect a billion or more people. The president of India, similarly, that sort of number. I'm not going to affect a billion people. And I doubt if many of us here are quite going to get that far. But it, it, it's all a question of scale. And in a century or two, then the effect of today's famous people uh, will have a, a, a less effect because history moves on and the effects of people living a thousand years ago will have only the smallest effect on us today and the people living 2,000 years ago. But there are a very, very few exceptions to that rule, to the ripple effect. And one of these exceptions is the name high and very high over all the others. 
For there is the one name in all history where others have had the effect of being diminished as time has gone on. The name of Jesus has been the absolute opposite. The the effect of the name of Jesus has increased, not decreased. The knowledge of the name of Jesus has spread. The impact of the name of Jesus has continued to increase. And the names of all the others, there are one or two, admittedly, whose name has also spread. But it's the name of Jesus that has an impact that is so much higher and so much greater than all the others. And don't forget that he started his work with just 12 people. And today, there are somewhere between 2.2-2.4 billion people, a third of the world's population, and no other religious group approaches that. It is The impact has been so much greater than everybody else. Neil Diamond had the name of Jesus Christ first on that list. Now, I don't know whether he uh, picked it deliberately, whether it was a conscious thought or not, or whether it just scanned nicely when he wrote the song, but he couldn't have picked anybody more appropriate for that list. So I've used this, this rather long preamble to get to the point of where the name of Jesus sits, not just for us, but to every person in the world, every person who ever has lived, every person who ever will live, just to, to, to try to show that it is the greatest name so that you can, you can even get there with people who do not believe in Jesus. The fact is that it is the, the, uh, the greatest name. Humanists try to airbrush Jesus out of history. They've even done it by changing the system of dating. Now, I don't know how many of you are aware of the uh, move to use not the years BC and AD as to uh, before or after the birth of Christ, but the move is to use common era, and we're in the common era, and so it's CE or BCE, before common era. They can't do it. Because the starting point for the common era or before common era, they've had to pick the birth of Christ. So we are in 2012 CE. They can't get away from it. So we can start now, perhaps, to look a bit more at the name, at the name of Jesus, and just to see a little bit more of what it means to us And when I say a little bit more, I I mean a little bit, only a very little bit, because it is such a great name. It is a name which has such depth that we we can barely touch the surface of all the meaning of of Jesus' name. With all our human limitations, we're just incapable, perhaps, of dipping much below the surface. In Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare wrote, "'What's in a name?' That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. But it's just a few thoughts of what's in the name of Jesus that I wanted now to go on to have a think about. In that passage from Philippians, uh, it perhaps sums up a lot of the things. 
It is a name honoured by God. God exalted him to the highest place, and his name is above every name. Matthew 16 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say, sorry, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We've already seen that quite apart from having to be told it in scriptures, God has raised the name of Jesus to the highest place. That throughout history, through all the great names of history, not one compares with the name of Jesus. And if God has exalted him to the highest place, how much more must he be the centre, the focal point in our lives? There's this terrible tendency for uh, people to idolise other people, pop stars, wannabes, even Roman emperors, uh, people like Princess Diana. There's a tremendous sort of almost a cult following but how unworthy every human is or has ever been compared to Jesus. It's a name that comforts. 2 Corinthians uh, says, 2 Corinthians 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And we've received that comfort through Jesus. And if we think briefly, perhaps, of some of the things that may be included in the whole idea of comfort and the comforter, and when we need a comforter, in times of great sadness, Jesus can heal the broken heart and restore and comfort those in the depths of sorrow. The sinner's joy in the forgiveness that flows from Jesus, from his death on the cross, and the strength that comes from Jesus in times of concern and trials and worry. No other name in history can bring the comfort and peace of the soul, peace of the soul that the name of Jesus can. And again, just, just, you know, just let your mind roam around and sort of think of, uh, of a few famous names and do they bring peace to your soul? Napoleon? No. Boudicca? No. And, and you can go on and on. I, I don't mind who you think of. Jesus is the one who brings peace. Only Jesus. Charles Wesley wrote, Jesus, the name that calms my fear, that bids my sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Tis life and health and peace. And Matthew 11 Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And it's a worthy name. It's a name to which every knee should bow. It's a name worthy to suffer for. Acts 5, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. It's a name worthy to die for. Acts 21, then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? 
I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. But it's also a name worthy to live for in Colossians 3. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. It's a name worthy to sacrifice for, to stand up for, and to speak up for. It's a saving name. It's the name which gives us and brings us salvation. Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Matthew 1, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's a strengthening name. Jesus Christ is Lord. Luke 10, the 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. For there's power in that name. At his name, demons flee. By his name, prayers are answered. For his name, angels stand in wait to do his bidding. Because of the name of Jesus, even the wind and waves are subject to his voice. He can calm the storm. He can set the captives free. And it happened to Paul in jail. And at the name of Jesus, sins are forgiven and remembered no more. And two hymn writers wrote, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. And I've got a list here of other names and descriptions of Jesus. And I realize that uh, in the list, in some places, it uses the, names, the name God and Jesus synonymously. But to the artist, he is the one altogether lovely, from Song of Solomon. To the architect and builder, he is the chief cornerstone, Ephesians. And he is the sure foundation, 1 Corinthians. To the astronomer, he is the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness and the bright morning star. To the baker, he is the living bread. To the biologist, he is the life and, of course, the way and the truth. To the doctor, he is the healer. To the educator, he is the great teacher. And all of these have references in the Bible. To the farmer, he is the sower and the lord of the harvest. To the gardener and the florist, he is the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. To the geologist, he is the rock. To the historian, he is the ancient of days. We've already sung that. To the horticulturalist, he is the true vine. To the judge, he is the righteous judge. And to the juror, he is the faithful and true witness. To the monarch, he is the ruler of God's creation. We can go on down through that list alphabetically and we get down towards the bottom. To the toiler, he is the giver of rest. And to the sinner, he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the Servant King, 
beautiful saviour, wonderful counsellor, our rock, our fortress, our deliverance. But there is a sombre note to sound. There was a time for all the wonder of his great name There was a time when a ruler expected the crowd to cry out in adoration and acclamation, but they didn't. Instead, they cried out the name Barabbas when they were asked who they wanted to be released. And he was despised and rejected by man, and the crowd cried out, crucify him. But as a result of that, he's the lamb who was slain for us. He's the bread of life broken for us. He's the lamb whose blood was shed for us. And because of that sacrifice, he is our redeemer. And so to the Christian then, he's the son of the living God. He's the savior, redeemer, and Lord. And in all history, There is no other name like the name of Jesus and no other name that means so many different things to those who know and love him. Whatever the circumstances, our needs or our problems, call on the name of the Lord. Last line. Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 